Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Welcome back to Victory Church. We're so excited that you're here today and continuing in this uh, message series with us. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, you know that we've kind of started a new season. We, we, we're entitling this season, Who Am I? And we'll get into to a lot of things in this season over the course of the next couple of months. Uh, we'll talk about gifts. We'll talk about a lot of things. But we felt the necessity to start this by talking about identity. Who are we? If we don't start with who we are in Christ then really nothing else matters. And so, you know, if you've ever watched a, a show on Netflix or a series or a, or a show that has episodes, many times each episode will build upon the other. Uh, this season will be like that. Last week was episode one. And if you missed episode one, I would highly encourage you to go back and watch episode one. Uh, and if you're watching this message later on, I would encourage you to go back and just binge watch all of them, okay? We can binge watch church, can't we? Not just Netflix shows. It's okay to binge watch church. And so I encourage you to go back and, and watch week one because last week I introduced something to you that maybe you haven't heard a lot of sermons on. And it's something that I said last week has really changed, probably been one of the most revelatory things in my personal walk with the Lord. I know that was a bold statement, but last week I introduced to you this topic of orphan the orphan heart or the orphan spirit, and how all of us have or have a tendency to operate with an orphan heart. And we all know what an orphan is. An orphan is somebody who has no home or somebody who has no parents. But really in the kingdom of God, we're all sons and daughters. And we start with this concept that we're sons and daughters. And if you will live your life with the understanding that you are a son and daughter of the Most High first, it really will change the way you live your life. And we talked about last week the, pa the passage where Jesus uh, is talking to his disciples and he says, it's better for you that I go away. You know, I'm going to send the advocate. But then he says a sentence in there that many times we don't focus in on, but he says these words, I will not leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as orphans. And he uses this word orphan intentionally. It wasn't by accident because he knew that as sons and daughters, we would have a tendency in this world to operate or think like orphans instead of sons. And so we're going to continue on this, this, this concept. I, I shared this author with you last week. I want to share him with you again this week. His name's Leif Hetland. Yeah, he's a man that his, his book was so good to me. It's called Called to Rain. I read it. I actually reached out to him in the last couple of weeks and had him on my podcast. He was on my podcast this past week. It won't air for another month or so. Uh, if, if you're like, you have a podcast? Yes, I have a podcast, shameless plug. Uh, it's, called, it's called Church Intention, if you ever want to check it out. And we talk about the church and the intentions of the church, but we also talk about the tension points in the church. And we talk about topics uh, on this podcast that many times aren't talked about in pulpits. So it's, it's, I encourage you to go check that out. But Leif, Leif Hetland uh, is somebody who, who talks about this subject uh, a lot. And today I want to talk about, kind of continue this discussion, and I want to talk about the story of the prodigal son. Many of you are familiar with the story. It's the story of uh, two, two sons 
One stays home with his father. The other one leaves and takes his inheritance and goes. And I'm going to talk about a portion of this story. And unless the Holy Spirit really shifts gears on me in the next week or so, I'm going to talk about this story of the prodigal son for at least two or three weeks here. And so get familiar with the story. It's in Luke chapter 15. If you want to start kind of reviewing this story yourself in your own study time, in the evenings, read this story. Maybe you read it every night for a whole week or every night for three weeks and see what the Lord reveals to you in different parts of this story. Sometimes we read the Bible cover to cover and we don't really dig into anything. And so I encourage you as your pastor, let's focus in on this story of the prodigal son and see what the Lord might speak to you as we do it. So today I'm going to pick up uh, in this story at the point where this prodigal son goes and he runs and he finds himself in the pig pen, finds himself working for someone as a servant, and then he has this epiphany. And this epiphany is what I want us to hone in on today. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to pick up in verse 17, and I'm only going to read to verse 19. Okay, this is where we're going to pick up today. If you don't have your Bible, um, you do have your Bible. You just don't know it. It's on your phone. Just pull it out, and and you can read along with us. Luke, verse 17 says this, when he finally came to his senses, and I got to pause even there because that even stuck out to me as I was reading it. Because there comes a point in all of our lives where no matter what the topic of our walk with Christ is, there many times comes a moment where we come to our senses, where there's a revelation, where the Holy Spirit speaks something to us. And he says these, this is the epiphany that he said. He says these words, at home, home. He says these words, at home. And I'm pausing because I want to put inflection on that word. He says, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. In verse 18, this is the epiphany he has. I will go home. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go home. He said, I will go home to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Do you see the orphan heart even in this prodigal son? They've been saying, I'm not a son. But he's having this come to his senses. At least I can go home. And he says, I'll go home even if I have to be a servant. He says, please take me on as a hired servant. And so we talked about last week how the orphan, you know, if you think about orphan at an orphanage, if we talked about this last week, if, if there's a foster family coming to perhaps take them in and maybe adopt them, an orphan has this feeling like I got to look good, I got to be good, I got to be on my best behavior, I got to put on my, my nicest clothes, and maybe, just maybe, if I do it right, this, this family will love me and they'll accept me. And so the orphan has this, I got to go hard, I got to figure it out, I got I to achieve, I got to conquer. And so the title of my message today is, is We're All Orphans. We realized that last week. As orphans, we can either go hard or go home. Today, I want to talk about going home as sons and daughters. Father, we thank you uh, for this time that we get to share with you. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us individually. We welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me give you a a situation, okay? I'm going to put you in a situation, and then you're going to vote on something, all right? It's Friday night or Saturday night, but it's Friday night, all right? And you have a babysitter. Can I get an amen from the parents? Grandma or grandpa has said, hey, just bring the kids over. And you're like, wait, what? Okay. Or maybe you're single and you're going, you're going to go on a date or whatever the case may be. Now, it's Friday night and you have two options. And I want to know which option you're going to choose. Okay. 
You're either going to go out and paint the town red, whatever that means. I don't know what that means. You're going to go out to dinner. You're going to go dancing. You're just going to, you're going to pull an all-nighter, man. You're going to stay up past midnight. With that, I'm like, that makes me tired just even saying those words. Okay? Or you can stay home with no kids. All right? Show of hands. You want to go paint the town red. Hands up. Oh, my gosh. There's like three of you. <laughs> I thought I was the only weirdo in here. Now, hands up if you just want to stay home. Oh, my gosh. Ed McCampus. I don't know what it's like there, but almost everybody raised their hand. They just want to stay home. I, I'm real, like, I'm an ex, I'm extreme extrovert. Used to, I'd be like, babe, let's invite 400 people with us tonight, and let's go out. It's going to be awesome. And my wife would be like, no. Um, but nowadays, I just want to stay home. I want to get some DoorDash up in here. I want to turn on Netflix or something. And I want to cozy up on the couch with my wife. And I just want to chill and go to bed at 9. <laughs> I saw this meme the other day, y'all. My, my wife showed it to me. It said, 40 is the new 30. Uh, 50 is the new 40. 60 is the new 50. And 9 p.m. is the new midnight. I'm like, can I get an amen? That is me. About 8.30, I'm like, oh, let's go lay down, babe. <laughs> but would you agree with me that there's, there's just something about home? I think, I think Dorothy may have had it right in The Wizard of Oz when she clicked her heels together three times and said, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And I love to travel. Traveling is one of my favorite things to do. I love going to other countries. I love international tr travel. I love the nation of Colombia. I've been to Colombia many times. We have some new people here this morning from Colombia. Isn't that awesome? We welcome you. But it doesn't matter where I go, I want to come home. And when I come home, something supernatural happens in me. I just, I, 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 I downshift. I find another gear. There's something about home. And there's something in this concept that I want to reveal to you, to show to you, to convince you of, that when it comes to your relationship with your Heavenly Father, He wants you to operate your life from home. You know, in this, in this day and age, you can do a lot from home. You're working from home. You're Zooming from home. You're doing a lot of stuff from home. You, you can order groceries from home. They'll deliver them to your door. Can I get an amen? Isn't that great? Like home is, is the place to be nowadays. And I think the Lord wants us to begin to operate from the place of, of home, of understanding that we don't have to go and achieve and conquer, that the Lord wants us to come home and rest. In the same way that the father was urgent, that was pleading and, and praying for his prodigal son to come home, I believe the Lord wants us to have the same revelation. I love what Jack Frost said. He said in his book, Slavery to Sonship, he said, an orphan spirit is one who lives life as though they do not have a home. Sons and daughters understand that there's something about being in the family of God. Did you know that God is a family man? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is a family man. And there's something about us being sons and daughters that he wants us to just live our lives from the restfulness of being home and not from the orphan mindset. Uh, this word home in the Greek is the Greek word mane, and it means to stay, to abide, to dwell, to make one's abode. And so what I want to do today is I want to show you uh, five things 
that we get from the Father when we come home. When we live our lives from the perspective mentally and emotionally that we live from home, we get these five things, okay? So get your pens ready, you need to take some notes. The first two I'm gonna present to you up front and then we'll, we'll take them apart piece by piece, okay? The first two I wanna show you, uh, I'll go ahead and tell them to you, the first two that we'll talk about is identity and intimacy. When you go home, you get to receive both of these things and I wanna show you them together because there's a story in the Bible that I wanna show you where this happens and it happens to Jesus, this is so cool. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. It says, when he, he being Jesus, was baptized, uh, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. In verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, here it comes, ready? Identity and intimacy in one phrase. This is my beloved Son, Identity, in whom I am well pleased, intimacy. Now, I want you to think about this in terms of what Jesus was about to do and what he had done. So far, he had done nothing, no miracles. Jesus says, I want to start, the, the Heavenly Father says, I want to start your ministry by validating you and receiving you and accepting you as my son before you've ever done anything to earn being my son. And you may be thinking, yeah, but John, that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Well, I'll take you on that challenge because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says this, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 6 says, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved son or daughter. Number one, let's talk about these individually. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Go home to find identity. We live in a world that is becoming obsessed with this idea of identity. And what do you identify as? We're all trying to find this identity. Where do I belong? Where do I fit? Which group can I identify with? And the father wants us to know that as sons and daughters, we don't have to have an orphan heart that we can just identify in being simply sons and daughters. Orphans compete for identity. Sons and daughters are complete in their identity. We start with the concept that we are sons and daughters. I know it sounds so simple to talk about, and even it coming into your ears, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But there's a vast chasm between us knowing it and living like it. Matthew, let's look at it again, verse 17. It says, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, my son. And then it says, in whom I am well pleased. Now, not a single miracle has been performed. No one has been raised from the dead. There has been no water turned into wine. There has been no Sermon on the Mount. There has been nothing accomplished in Jesus's life and the father wants his son to know before you ever do anything on this earth, I want you to know that you are my son and I am really pleased with you. I love you a lot. Before you, before you could ever earn my love, you've already received my love. And I think as parents, we can kind of understand this. I mean, a, a sliver is always a really beautiful picture between our relationship with our kids or our father on earth, if you have a really healthy father. 
uh, as it is with our Heavenly Father, right? So if you remember back to when you had your first child, if you've had children already, um, you remember that moment. I'm not having to get out pictures to remind you, oh yeah, I forgot about that. We did have a kid. That's crazy. I didn't know where this kid came from. No, whenever it was, whether you adopted them or whether you gave birth to them, you remember the moment that your eyes laid upon them and there was a love that bubbled up from within you that you're like, I didn't even realize that I could love something this much. That kid had done nothing to earn it. In fact, all this kid does is poop his pants. All this kid does is eat and go to the bathroom in its pants. And yet you love this thing with a love that is undescribable. Did you know that this is the way the father loves you? You mess your pants too, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. And yet he loves you before you ever accomplished anything. Orphans have this concept that I got to achieve, I got to earn, I got to earn the father's love and sons and daughters just are able to, to identify as a son and daughter. And I pray that this season that we're in, if nothing else, that you have some sort of a revelatory moment, some sort of a revelation. If it takes you having this revelation every day for a year, that you would begin to understand and identify as a son or a daughter and, and receive this baptism of love where you really begin to receive this love, okay? Second thing that you'll get if you'll come home. Number two, go home to find intimacy. Orphans achieve intimacy and sons and daughters receive intimacy. You just receive it. I don't have to achieve it. I don't have to do anything to accomplish it. And I don't know about you, but I love to come home. When I come home, there is no rejection at home. I'm received at home. I'm accepted at home. When I come in the door, you know, if the kids aren't zoning out somewhere, they'll be like, Dad's home. And, I, you know, as the older they get, the less I get. But remember when they were young and you come home and they're like, Daddy, and they run up to you? Now i got to go find them sometimes. They're, in a, they're hiding in a cave somewhere. But, but I'm received I'm accepted. I don't have to earn. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything but just be home. And there's something about this. There's no fear in my home. Uh, there's nothing that I have to do. I can just come and be home. Home is a place where you spend time with the ones that you love. Uh, in my home, there's a table where we gather, right? In my home, there's a couch where we talk and watch movies together and eat popcorn together. In my home, there's, there's this room where Michelle and I sit down in the mornings together, almost every morning, and we talk and we pray together and we read scriptures together and we, you know, we pour out our hearts to one another. That is a, that's a place of intimacy. There, there's intimacy in your home. And I'm not saying my home is perfect. There's a lot of turmoil in my home too. So I'm not saying, well, my home's... So if you're thinking, well, my, my home's not like that. But you understand what I'm saying. Home is this place where you can feel yourself. And this is what the Father wants, this is how the Father wants you to live your life, your thought life, your spiritual life. That you have this ability to come home and find intimacy. I love this because David, King David, understood this. I want to show you this moment where he, where he writes about this in Psalm 27.4. He says this. Now think about it. This is the king. This guy can have anything he wants. And this is what he says. One thing I ask from the Lord. And this one thing I seek that I may dwell at home. Dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. He's saying, you know what? I'm a king and I can have anything I want. I can snap my fingers and anything I want. But you know, there's just really one thing I seek. 
I just want to go home with dad. I just want to be at home with my heavenly father and know that I'm received. The world rejects me. At home, my father receives me. My, my coworkers talk, talk smack about me. My father knows my heart. And I can go home to him. In the world, I feel like I have to conquer and achieve and perform and climb the ladder of success. But man, when I go home, I can just rest in knowing that I'm a daughter and that's good. There's really nothing else I need than the, than, than the love from my father. And this is the intimacy that God wants to have for us. Now, take all of this concept of your house. Imagine your house. Now imagine going to God's house. The same way that you feel at rest and comfortable in your own home, God's like, hey, come over to my house, and I want you to chill at my house the way you chill at your house. Do you know there's a room in the, your father's house where he wants to sit down with you and have a conversation with you and pray with you and read scripture together? There's, there's intimacy there. Do you know there's a couch at God's house when he wants to come over and laugh with you and have fun with you and hang out with you? And there's a dining room table the Bible says in Psalm that, that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. That's at God's house. That's not at your house. God's like, I know the world out there is crazy, but if you come to my house, I'm going to cook you up something real good. God wants you to act at his house like your home, like your home, and behave in this way. Let me show you what Jesus said. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you at the Father's house? There's a place for you there. And I will go and prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am, and you know the way to the place where I am going. So he's like, I'm going somewhere, and I'm going to come back and get you and bring you with me. And we always think, and I think it's applicable to this, but we, we just think that that's completely talking about and only talking about when we die, we're going to go to heaven. And I think that... I think that's applicable. I'm not saying that I think that's wrong. But I love the last sentence because he says, you know the way to the place where I am going. It's an invitation to the house. Now watch, the very next verse in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Thomas is like, hey, um, could you maybe drop a pin on the GPS and text it to me? so that I could get some directions, because you say you're going somewhere and that we know how to get there, but we really don't know how to get there, so can you give us some directions? And watch what Jesus' reply is. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father. Now watch these three words, from now on. Tell your neighbor, from now on. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it, from now on. So Jesus is saying, from this point forward, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. He's like, come home. Come home. From this point forward, you can come home to the Father's house. I always have that song, cheesy song, pop in my head. It's a big, big house. Lots and lots of room. Awkward. Okay, going on. John 14, 22. Later, that same chapter, later on in verse 22, watch what this says. It says, then Judas said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. Now catch this. 
My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. God is a family man. He's a family man. And there is an open invitation for you to come to his house anytime you want to receive identity and intimacy. Hey, orphan, you should go home. You should go home. Okay? Third thing we receive when we go home. Number three, go home to find safety and belonging. Home is a place of safety. When you go home, I'm not too worried about what's happening on the street or down the road or downtown because I'm home. Okay? And if you live in Oklahoma, you have lots of guns at home. So you're like, I'm safe here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but home really does, there, there's this sense of, okay, whew, I'm safe. I'm safe here. I love what Proverbs 18 verse 10 says. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. So it's saying the Lord's house is a strong tower and the righteous, now don't let that word scare you. It basically, righteous is just a really fancy word that means in right standing. Do you know who's in right standing? Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. It says, so sons and daughters are the ones who run to the strong tower and when you run to the strong tower, God's house, you will find safety. You're going to find safety when we run to this. Now, the prodigal son had this epiphany. It says that he came to his senses and he thought to himself, even the servants are eating good food at home. He was falling into what is called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is a, a psychologist many years ago that came up with this thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It looks like a pyramid. You can Google it. The very bottom rung that all human beings need is food, water, and rest. The very next rung that every human being needs is safety and security. Okay? So if you feel, if you're, if you're fed, okay, you're good. The next step is I need safety and security. Okay, that's a marriage talk too, fellas. That's what your woman, that's what your wife, or your woman, that sounds pretty terrible. That's what your spouse, uh, they want, they, they, need, they need to feel secure and safe. Okay, so God says, come to my house and I'm going to fulfill all of your needs. And you'll fulfill all of those needs. And the prodigal son has this and he has this epiphany. So, so think about what orphans do, typically. Okay, um, if I told you that an orphan went to stay at a foster home and that night they ran away, you wouldn't be that shocked. You wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, the orphan ran away from home? That's crazy. You'd be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because the orphan always thinks that the world has more of a home to offer than the house. So the prodigal son in an orphan spirit, in an orphan heart, ran away from home. Because this is what orphans do. Orphans run away from home and sons and daughters run towards home. Your son, if they get lost or if they find themselves down the street... They're not going to run away. They're going to be like, I'm going home because mom and dad are home. And there I'll find safety and security and intimacy and identity. Orphans have never received identity or, or safety and security. So they, they run away. And this is what the prodigal son was doing. And this is what we can do if we're not careful. So this is the, temp now, this is the temptation of us all. You're like, well, that's not me. Well, how often do you run to your finances for security? How often do you run back to your job or the promotion? And if I could just get the promotion, if I was a VP, everything would be good. If I could just make six figures, then my life would be, whew, be great. We're doing the same thing the orphan does. We run away from home and we try to find identity and intimacy and safety 
and belonging somewhere else. This is what, this is what orphans do. So not only did he find safety, but he, but he, but he found belonging. Belonging. There's something about belonging. They, 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 they talk about people who join gangs and they go into this violent lifestyle and this violent thing and they'll say, well, they, they're the only ones that would accept me. Because there's something deep in the heart of every human that we just want to belong. And the Father wants us to know that you do belong at home with your Father. Number four, number four, go home to find your inheritance. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. I might actually preach a whole sermon on this at some point in the series. But there's something really important about this because the prodigal son says, give me what's mine. I want my inheritance. And then he leaves with it. Now, I want to show you this principle. It's in Luke 15, 12. It says, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. And these words are really important. He set off for a distant country, a.k.a. he left home. He took what belonged to him, and, and, and he left home. So the prodigal son tried to take his inheritance and, and leave home. The problem with this in the kingdom is the promises and the inheritance of God and the kingdom of God only works from home. The, the kingdom, your inheritance in the kingdom works from God's home. And when you try to take stuff that belonged to you and say, I don't need you anymore, Father, I'm going to do this on my own, you come outside of the identity and the intimacy and the safety and the belonging and the inheritance of the Father. So when we behave like orphans, God's like, I really don't want you to do that. And I want you to come home and I want to keep you, I want to give you identity and, and intimacy. I want to give you safety and belonging. I want to give you inheritance, but, but you left home. You left home. And there's something that happens with this. And I, I really think we as believers, we need to begin to comprehend. And every time we hear the word inheritance, all we think about is money. It's what we think about is money. And I get it. I think it's applicable to that too. But also don't, don't fail to consider peace and joy and purpose in life and your calling and all of these things that come with it. Because God has an inheritance for you on this earth. But orphans live for provision where sons and daughters live from inheritance. Um, I, I can't go into the super deep. I'm, I'll, I'll try to preach on this again soon, but this is a really important element. Um, let, me, let me try to explain it this way. So think about the children of Israel, okay? Children of Israel left Egypt as slaves, and they were, they were heading towards the promised land. What was the promised land? The promised land was their inheritance. God promised the promised land. That's why it's called the promised land. It was the inheritance. On the journey from slavery to inheritance, they were giving something to nourish them every day called manna. It was a blessing, wasn't it? Thankful for the manna. I'm thankful for God's provision. I'm thankful for it. It fell down from heaven. I didn't have to do anything for it. It was just a blessing, you know? And every once in a while, he'd bring some quail in and we'd eat some protein. It was great. That was provision. But when they got to the promised land, the Bible says in the book of Joshua, that the manna stopped. And then they started eating from the fruit of the land. Okay? When you begin to live from inheritance versus blessings and provision, those aren't bad, but you begin to live from this idea of inheritance. Let me show it to you. It's in, it's in Joshua chapter 5. 
verse 12. It says, the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. What land? This was the land of their inheritance. And there was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan, the promised land. Did you know that there's a whole bunch of promises in Scripture for you? Tons of them. All of those are promises. All of those are your inheritance. When you tithe, you are living a life of inheritance. You are saying, when they got to the promised land, they begin to understand this concept of, of inheritance. And God showed them, if I take a seed and I put it in the ground, then it grows. And if I cultivate it, it'll produce a ton of fruit. They are now living under the promises, the inheritance of God. When you tithe, you are living as a son or a daughter. You are saying, Yes, blessings are great, God, but I'm not going to just live off manna. You got something better than manna for me. I'm going to live under the umbrella of your promises. And I believe in tithing. I believe that your word is true. It's in scripture. I'm going to step up as a son or a daughter, and I'm going to put seed in the ground, and I'm going to believe that it's going to come. You see the difference between living. So we need to stop. This is going to be a really bold statement. Um, we need to stop praying for blessings. <laughs> Instead, start praying that God would give you a fresh revelation of inheritance. God, what, what, what do you have for me? And as I'm reading through the Bible, what promises jump off the page at me? And that's an inheritance for me. I'm a son. I don't have to beg you every single day like you're some proverbial vending machine. If I push A7, then God will give me what I need for today. That's great. And God does those things. Manna falls from heaven every now and then, and I'm thankful for manna. I'll eat it. But I want to live a life of inheritance that says, you know what, God? This is a promise in Scripture. I'm a son. I'm an heir. And I'm going to step into this promise and believe for this inheritance. Let's just see the difference. Sons and daughters behave this way. We'll talk more about that later. Number five, go home to find rest. Okay, this is the one that I'll spend probably the rest of our time on. This is the one that the Lord spoke to me over sabbatical. This was the word for me as, as, as I finished up my sabbatical. And it wasn't necessarily about physical rest. That's important too. We, we believe in Sabbath rest. We believe, you know, you need to take a Sabbath rest every single week. We believe in that. We practice that as a church. But also there's something about rest for the soul. Um, you know, when Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, you know what a yoke is? A yoke is what they would put on the ox so they could do what? So they could plow. So what Jesus is saying is, I don't expect you to finish, to stop working in order to have a light load. He's saying my yoke, which means I want you to keep working. I want you to keep plowing field. He said, but when you put my yoke on, you can plow fields and not grow weary because you have found rest at home. There's a difference between um, working so that you can rest, okay? This is what orphans do. Orphans work hard so they can rest. Sons and daughters find rest so they can work hard. You're supposed to work hard. You should work hard. God, we got a lot of work to do, guys, on this earth. We shouldn't just go, well, John said rest, so. No, we got work to do. But did you know that you can have your hand to the plow and sweating on the outside and on the inside, you're like, oh, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. 
Because then I'm plowing God's field, not because I'm doing it for you, and I don't really care what you think about me, and I'm not doing it for you, and I'm not trying to earn anything or get your approval or your approval. You know, Paul said that. Paul said, I didn't do this for the approval of man. He's saying, I got my hand to the plow, and on the inside, I'm at rest. Why? Because I got my feet propped up in God's living room just chilling with God. I've got this intimacy. There's something, and it's it's all about alignment. Um, We think... In, in Western culture, that if I work hard, then I can play hard. That's, you know, if I work hard, I can get what I need. If I work really hard and prove myself to God, then he'll give me my next assignment. You ever thought that? God's kingdom is com- the complete opposite. God says, no, I need you to have proper alignment, and then I'll give you your next assignment. Because if you're not aligned properly, you will go into his next assignment as a slave. And you'll behave like an orphan, and you will work yourself to death, and you'll have an affair in a year. That just kind of came out. I don't know. Uh, You'll work yourself to death trying to be somebody, to prove something to somebody. And you'll have some sort of a fallout. You'll have a, you'll have a mental breakdown. You'll have an anxiety attack. You'll suffer with depression. I don't know what it is, but it's because you come out of alignment. God wants you to go into your assignment as a son or a daughter. If you go into your assignment as a son, you're like, I'm good. Not yet, God. That's cool. I'm good. Not that assignment, this assignment. Okay, God, I'm good. I'm a son. I'm only working because I'm found rest as a son. So the, I, like, I like what this, this author that I referred to you, Leif Hetland, he said this, um, an orphan thinks this way. An orphan thinks I must become something and then I'll receive something and then I can find rest. And, and a son or a daughter says, no, I'm going to rest in who I am in Christ and then God's going to give me what I need to achieve what I need to achieve. I'm going to rest, I'm going to receive from the Holy Spirit And then I'm going to become something that God is calling me to be. It's proper alignment. And so if you're working out of a constant state of stress, anxiety, one, you're really unhealthy physically, but you're also going into the state of your assignment with the wrong alignment. And God won't bless that. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't want you burned out. He doesn't want you at tension with your spouse and your kids and high blood pressure and anxiety and panic attacks and you got to go to the bottle to find rest and you got to take a pill to, to sleep at night. God's like, oh, you, got the, you just got the wrong alignment. My yoke is easy. If it's hard, then you, you, you don't have the right yoke. You got to come into this from this posture. Let me, let me conclude with this. One, I was, um, I was in Mexico uh, on my sabbatical and it was really cool. God gave me this spot up on the roof of this place we were staying. I could go up to the roof every day and kind of have this quiet moments while everybody was asleep. And, uh, and I was reading this passage that we read um, to start the service today. I'll read it uh, back to you, Matthew 3.16. It says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up and immediately from the water, uh, it came up and immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God, and this is key, descending like a dove. So he gives us this, this metaphor. And a lot of times in Scripture, the Holy Spirit 
is symbolized in the natural as a dove. Okay? And, and it says, that it, and, it, and alighting upon him. Some translations say rest. Now, this word alighting is the Greek word erhomi, and it means to place, to establish, to fall on, and to find its place. So in the Greek, it's saying that when Jesus was, came up out of the water, right before Jesus said, right before his father said, you are my son and I'm well pleased in you, to, as, a symbol, as a symbolism to everyone present, whether they knew the symbolism yet or not, we know it today, a dove come down and just rested on Jesus. Whether it was actual or metaphorical, we don't know exactly, but it says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested, found its place on Jesus. And I'm reading this, and I kid you not, I am sitting up on this roof, and I look to my right, and there are two doves sitting 10 feet from me on the ledge of this roof. And I'm just like, God, you're cool. <laughs> and, and he said to me, the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly to me. He said, John, doves only rest on things that are restful. If there's a storm, you go out and look at the trees in your yard, you won't find any doves in them trees. Doves are very peaceful, very calm animals, and they will only land on something that they know is going to be sturdy and steady and at rest. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me saying, if you want me to rest on you, if you want me to come and bless you and bless your marriage and bless your ministry and bless everything about you, you better be at rest. Because I don't know if you figured this out in life yet or not, but you need the Holy Spirit to achieve anything for God. Any, any of his purposes that he has for your life, you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. And how many of us are doing it without the Holy Spirit because we're not at rest? And I, we would go down to this pool that was not far from our, from our room all week. I kid you not, all week, every time, I say every time, maybe, you know, Maybe it wasn't every time, but most of the time, I would glance up at that roof. And those doves would be sitting right on my balcony. And I just kept going, God, let me never lose this. No matter how busy I get, no matter how, many, how big my assignment is on this earth, no matter what you do, no matter what field you call me to plow, may I never pick up that yoke again. And may I find rest. And I, I just came today to tell somebody, you have an option, okay? We all have an orphan heart. We all have a tendency to have orphan mindsets. And you have two decisions. You have two choices. You can either go hard or you can go home. I have learned the power of just going home. Just go home. Would you stand to your feet with me at Edmund and OKC? I want to invite you home this morning. I want to invite you to this place. Um, Jacob, you know this story well in, in the book of Genesis. It says that Jacob went to Bethel, and, which means house of God. And the Bible says that he fell into a sleep. He rested. And the Bible says that he rested his head on a rock. And I was always like, couldn't you find some hay or something? Like something a little more cushiony. He, he laid his head on a rock. And then the Bible says that Jacob woke up and he said, surely 
I was in the presence of God and I didn't even know it. And he said, I will call this place the house of God. Home. From a place of rest. You know what he rested his head on? The rock. He rested his, his head on the only thing that can hold your head up is Jesus. He found rest in this thing called the rock. What I want to do today is we're going to go back into a song in just a moment. We, we carved out time for this. We budgeted great on time. So don't get all antsy on me. Find rest even in this moment. We're going to go back into a song here in Edmond. And I'm going to, in just a moment, I'm going to make an invitation to you to come home. And as I pre prepared for this message, I, I sensed the Lord showing me these altars filled with people. And what I felt like the Lord wanted me to share was that as you leave your seat in just a moment and come down to these altars, both here and at the Edmund campus, you are this prodigal son. And in many ways, we can relate to this prodigal son. And it's, the Bible says he came to his senses. I should just go home. Everything I need is at home. Everything I need is in, the is in the loving arms of my Father. And so if you're here today, I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to invite you to come. And let me tell you something. If you come down here, it does not mean that you're messed up. It does not mean that you have issues and problems. You should just get all of that shame out of your head right now because surely my vulnerability in this process has shown you that even pastors, even leaders have orphan hearts. And what we're saying is, God, I don't want to operate as an orphan anymore. I want to be a son or a daughter. And this altar area is going to represent home to you. And I believe that this altar is going to be a place where you receive love, a baptism of love. And I'm going to step off this stage and I'm going to, I'm going to walk around and pray. The prayer team, the staff at both campuses come down. Let's have ministry time. And if you're going to stay in your seat, that's okay. I just ask you to be respectful, to, to, to rest where you're at, to, to open yourself up to the Lord. We're going to go back into worship, just be worshipful. So Father, we just come to you in this moment and we give space for a message that entered our ears, we now give space for it to enter our hearts. And we want to respond to it, Father. We want to show you, and we want to show ourselves the need for us to just come home to a Father. So Father, in just a moment, we're gonna step out of our seats. We're gonna be bold, we're gonna be courageous, and we're gonna just take steps of faith, and we're gonna move. And we believe that as we step into this altar area, we're going to be invaded with home, safety, belonging, identity, intimacy, inheritance. We're going to step into this, God, and find rest in Jesus' name. Come on, don't wait. Just come right now. Just leave your seat and begin to come down. You're not going to be the only one. I can promise you that. Come on, flood these altars. Flood these altars. Don't wait for somebody else to go. Edmund Campus, flood the altars. Come down right now. They're coming here. Come on. It took a minute at the nine for people to leave their seats and come down. That's okay. We'll wait for you. You should have, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You have nothing to be fearful of. Leave your seat and come down here. Nothing weird's going to happen. We're going to pray for you. God's going to meet you here. Come home. Come with your spouse. People this morning were coming with their entire families. They wanted their kids to be prayed over with this reality. So come. Let me, let me say one more thing before we start. Oscar, will you bring me a chair? Will somebody bring me a, just bring me a chair real quick. I want to I show you, I want to show you the posture in which I want you to come into these altars, okay? At Edmund and OKC. So, so let me pop this chair up here. All right. 
So let me, let me give you this illustration. Um, when you get home, there's a certain posture that you hit when it finally feels like home. Now, most guys, we just go home and sit down. Now, I got to be sensitive to the ladies because I, I was like, what do you do when you first get home? And the ladies are, well, I cook and then I vacuum and then I got to get all the kids' meals ready and I got to get the lunch packed and I got to, but, but fast forward through all that. Where's, what posture are you in when you get home and you go, you know, when I go, if, if you invited me to your house and, and you invited me to sit on your couch, this is probably how I would sit. It's just, you know, I would do this or I might do this. You know, posture, posture says a lot. You, know, you, know, you want to know how I sit on my couch at home? Now, I've got a spot. How many of you have a spot? I've got a spot on my couch that only my butt cheeks fit in. Now, I've got a very small bony butt, but I'm telling you, if anybody else tries to sit in that seat, it'll just kick them out. It's only for me, and I have worked long and hard to get this seat ready for when I come home. Now, when I come home, this is how I sit. Don't judge me. I like the... I like the TV to be just mounted a little bit higher so that I don't have to move my neck. <laughs> Did you know that when you come home to the Father's house, you don't need to sit like this? You don't need to sit like this. You don't need to sit like this. God says, I want you to come in, find rest for your soul. Just, just come in and, and belong, okay? So I want you to get in a posture. It, those of you that are still at your seat, you're welcome to sit down if you want. You're like, sit like John if you want to. Like, get in a posture. And maybe you're in the altars here at Edmond. If you want to sit on the floor, sit on the floor. Get in a posture where you can say, God, I'm home. I'm home. The Father would say to you, welcome home. You've been running hard. You've been trying. Oh, you've been trying so hard. Sit down and stay a while. Rest here. Rest here with me. Father, we come into your home. Your word says that we can boldly enter into your presence, that the veil has been torn, saying, come in. Welcome home. Come into my presence. Stay a while. Eat with me. Dine with me. Rest with me. So, Father, whatever we need, May we find it today in your house. We rest in this. We rest in this. Come on, don't rush this moment. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in you. Don't rush. Don't be distracted around you. Shut out everything around you. Father, we find restfulness in this moment. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. 
Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.